You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. This sermon was inspired by a solo that was sung in my congregation way back in the 1980s. A lady now gone to be with the Lord. She was an organist in Tully Allen Presbyterian Church outside Market Hill. And she came and she sung the solo, and it's an old, old piece, The Raven He Feedeth, and I have a copy of it here. It made me think, because some four or five years ago, our choir in First Kilrats with a large choir there, and uh, the choir, one Wednesday evening, I went in, and the choir were practicing in the minor circular room, or our minor hall, and lo and behold, weren't they practicing amongst lots of other things, old and young, newer, uh, older ones. They're saying this one about uh, the raven he feedeth. It made me think about the story of Elijah, uh, and I haven't preached very much about Elijah, I must confess, before. And that's what we want to think about today at this sermon, this service. First of all, what do you know about the Old Testament character Elijah? Elijah was one of the Old Testament superheroes. Uh, he did all sorts of strange things. Uh, it, it was almost like a modern Superman kind of story in many ways. He boldly defied a very pagan king, a very difficult thing to do. He raised a boy from the dead on another occasion. On another occasion, he called down fire from heaven to light up a sacrifice, even though they had doused it, of course, with water. And then, of course, he was riding to heaven in a chariot. He was a larger-than-life character that we read about uh, in the pages of the Old Testament. Now, I want to get this straight. It's Elijah we're talking about. Elijah was a man like us. Elijah was a man like us. He was a real person. He was not a mythical character like Finn McCool, who never existed. Sorry if that bursts your bubble. But, um, but uh, uh, Elijah existed, and many, there were references to him many, many generations later in the, in, in the Old Testament. For example, at the transfiguration of Jesus. Do you remember? We'll make a tent of those references to Elijah mentioned there, and uh, the conversation the disciples had with Jesus. And at the very end of the New Testament in the book of James, James talks, uh, uh, the writer talks about Elijah and his miracles. James 5.17, James, Elijah was a man like us. So don't think this is a fairy tale. It's not like Elsa and Anya are we have a grandchild and she's all into frozen at the minute and that's all we get and blue dolls and blue dresses and all that kind of thing. Of course, that's a fairy tale. But Elijah was no fairy tale story. He did exist. He was a man like us. He's called Elijah the Tishbite. Now, that probably means that's where he came from. He came from Tishbe. He was a mighty man of God in the Old Testament Jewish history. In fact, you might say he was one of the greatest of the Old Testament prophets and leaders of his time, from Moses right to John the Baptist. His ministry was quite short. 
but it was very significant because he was God's mouthpiece for that particular time when paganism was all around him. He was God speaking, uh, the voice of God speaking to the people. You know, sometimes we need forcible reminders today uh, to remind us. We shouldn't need, but we do. We need forcible reminders that God is alive and God is in his word. And the harvest service such as this today is as good an occasion as any to remind us of things that we should never forget, to help us to focus on God who gives growth, who provides for us, who, remind, who of course, harvest, as I've said, is much more than, than grain and potatoes and flowers, and the choir have reminded us of that. But sometimes we get an opinion of ourselves, of course, that God is left out. We're going to be singing it this evening, all good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. Then thank the Lord, then thank the Lord for all his love. That is something that we should never forget. And harvest reinforces that in our, mem in our minds yet again. Now we could talk a lot about Elijah. But Elijah fed by the ravens. 1 Kings 17, if you want to follow it. Elijah was a man like us, ordinary human, coming out of some obscure place in Gilead. We're not told much about it. It's of not great importance. To some degree, Elijah was a man of mystery. Where he's introduced in the Bible with very little information. We're not told a lot about his family or, or where he came from or if he had a, a great education or anything like that. But here's the point. He had a purpose to fulfill. Elijah, a man like us, who had a purpose to fulfill. Now, we may not think of it in this way, but you know, I believe we're on this earth with a purpose to fulfill. Yes, to sow seed and to be involved in, in the harvesting of, of God's, great, God's great plan. We have a purpose to fulfill. We were born, as was said of Esther, for such a time as this. It is no accident that you're here today. It is no accident that God has allowed us to be in his world on this part of the 21st century. We have a purpose to fulfill, just as Elijah long ago had a purpose to fulfill. We have a mission for God in our community. You have a mission for God in this town. Look at this lovely church opening out onto the street. What's it telling to the world as you live your life? that Jesus is alive, that the gospel has something to say to the people who pass by. We have a purpose to fulfill, a mission to fulfill. We have a job to do, not just to our congregation, but to the community where God has placed us. That's why we need commitment. That's why we need uh, to keep first things first in churches, as I know you do here. Your aim to, to, find, to find God and to make God's purposes known. Now, your life and mine will not be as dramatic, I'm sure, as Elijah was. But nonetheless, God, you're God's ambassador. You're part of God's plan, just as Elijah, a man like us, was. Now, what was happening in the times where Elijah lived? Well, the northern kingdom in Israel had begun to slip into the darkness of idolatry. Now, we talk about living in the post-Christian age. 
Maybe it's not that much different. The rulers of that time did not worship, encourage the worship of Jehovah. There's a phrase that described the kings, they were doing evil in the sight of the Lord. That was the situation. It was quite a pagan, a pagan time. From Jeroboam to Basha, there were seven kings. And they continued to go. It was a downward slope. Down, 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 down. Then comes Ahab and his wife, she, Jezebel. She was a terror. I mean, what mother today would call a child Jezebel? She's just synonymous with evil. And that's the situation in which uh, poor Elijah found himself in. And that's the background to it. Elijah the Tishbite. The next point is the pronouncement he made. Elijah said something. The pronouncement he made. And the pronouncement he made was that uh, there's going to be no rain. Slide now. Oh, well, it might eventually. <laughs> uh, the pronouncement was that there's going to be no rain on the earth except at God's word, the, the, the pronouncement he made. And that was a strange pronouncement, and it was a difficult thing. Can you imagine someone coming here and saying, there's going to be no rain? Uh, now, maybe sometimes in our country, uh, particularly in the month of May or June, we would say, that's great, I'm glad to hear there's going to be no rain. But it's a very different world. Uh, in, in the situation in Palestine at that particular time because the fact there was going to be no rain meant that in actual fact it was going to be famine. And what did famine mean? Famine meant disaster. Famine meant death. There are parts of the world today where there's famine. We know we see it on our television. No rain. No rain made this great pronouncement. And then, of course, Elijah heard a voice, the voice that Elijah heard. What was he told? He was told, go to the Kerith Ravine east of Jordan. You're going to drink from that brook, and I've ordered the ravens to feed you there. Now, how exactly Elijah heard the voice, that I cannot say. We're not told that. But what we are told is that however he got that, got that information, he obeyed. He didn't seem to question. And you know, that's still a, a factor to note here. Because what does the gospel demand of us but to trust and obey? There's the words of, of a very known old hymn. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Elijah trusted and obeyed. I wonder, have you ever heard God speaking to you? I told this story back in Ochnacloy the other night. Because I was at a harvest service there when I was a lad of ten. And there was a Methodist minister, I don't know who, what his name was, I don't know what, he, I don't know what else he said, but he was talking about the, the parable of the loaves and the fishes. And I remember him saying, there is a lad here who has five loaves and two fishes, what are they amongst so many? And he said, there is a lad here. And I felt then, and I feel it still, that I was that lad that God was speaking to as a young lad uh, all those years ago. I wonder, is there someone here today that God is speaking to you, hearing God's voice? Well, then you've got to do what um, Elijah said, trust and obey. It might be to come to put faith in Christ in the first place. It might be to return. Uh, maybe you've slipped away from God. Maybe your life is not as close to God as it was. Maybe it's to, to, to come back and to retrace your steps. Maybe it is to offer yourself for service, to maybe in this church or who knows, the ministry, missionary, I don't know. 
the voice he heard. When we hear God speaking to us, we do very well, like Elijah, to do what he says. And Elijah did that. He moved away. He moved away uh, for, to, 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 went to, to drink on this little brook. The voice he heard, the pronouncement he made, the voice he heard, the promise he received. And the promise was, you're going to drink from the little brook. I have ordered the ravens to feed you. Now, let me say this. It takes a lot of courage to believe what seems completely unreasonable. Elijah was told by God to leave where he was, in the, where he had everything and probably everything that he needed, and he was told to, to leave that and go to a small river, a little tiny stream that carried water in the winter rain. It seemed a most unusual place for Elijah in the middle of a famine situation to have to go to for a three-year drought. Basically, what was happening was this. Elijah was being told to go into the wilderness. To go into the wilderness. That's what it was. A little stream, uh, not a big river, that, that eventually, of course, did dry up to go into the wilderness. Now, if you think about it in the Bible, there are lots of um, people that learned lessons from God and maybe you can identify with this, and I can identify with it. There are lots of lessons that are learnt, and they're best learnt when we're in the wilderness experience of life, whatever that wilderness happens to be. Faith is often strengthened in the wilderness better than any other time. And Elijah found that his faith was strengthened in the wilderness. He was told to go to this little, this little brook and to be fed by the ravens. I wonder, have any of you ever looked back over a difficult period in your life? Now, we all have difficulties. In this world, you have tribulations. God has promised that. Have any of you ever looked back? And looking back on it now, you can see how God has brought you through. It was like a wilderness experience at that particular time. Maybe some of you are farmers uh, in the agricultural industry in a bad year. You've despaired and you've seen the crops and the rain. Uh, it was no, a matter of no, it's not a matter of no rain. It's a matter of too much rain often in our country. You've despaired. But looking back, you got through. You got through and you're here to tell the story. I wonder, have you ever said thanks to God? Well, what happened when Elijah went, as he was told, to go into the wilderness. There was the supply that he enjoyed. Supply enjoyed. 50 miles, sorry, not 50, 15 to 20 miles. He trekked on foot. And he stayed at this little brook, Cherith. Now, I think it takes an awful lot of faith and courage. And there's no record in the scripture of, of Elijah protesting and saying, that's silly, I'm not going to do that. That'd be an unwise thing to do. Uh, there's no record of that, of him questioning how this brook would keep running. Or there's no record of him questioning the fact that in this drought, he was going to be fed by ravens. Now, it's very significant, ravens. Ravens are birds of prey. Ravens are considered in Jewish eyes unclean birds. And you'll, you'll find that mentioned in Leviticus 11, 13 to 15, or in De Deuteronomy 14, uh, verses 11 to 14. And this is a Jewish background. These were unclean birds. 
And yet Elijah was told, you're going to be fed by ravens. Ravens. Now, from the word raven, of course, we get the word ravenous. Ravens were really scavengers. And it was a reminder to Elijah that God can use unclean vessels to accomplish his task. God can use unclean vessels to accomplish his task. He can use you. And he can use me, no matter who we are. There's a lot of questions you could ask. Where did the bread come from? Why did the ravens not eat it? Was there no food poisoning? And all the rest of it. There are a lot of questions you could ask. Why uh, uh, would that stream offer sufficient water? But I'm reminded, and then I remind you today, it was Jesus who said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, sometimes we think we do it all. We think we're in charge of our world. We think those lovely apples or those lovely flowers are the result of we've been good gardeners or, or good farmers or, or whatever we happen to be. And you know, if I use the story of way back in the last, the middle of the last century, the 19th century, the farmers planted, the farmers worked hard, they planted their potatoes, they, they fertilized them and so on. They, they put all they had into it. And one night of blight, one night of blight in Ireland in the 19th century showed how feeble man's efforts were to produce food on a grand scale. And you know the story. It led to the great famine where so many people perished. Man can do so much, but God is ultimately in control. I could take you to a church building in County Monaghan today. It's a much, much bigger building than this. And it's lying in the countryside with nobody living around it, nothing in it. It once had a large congregation. It was a congregation of Cahams. And the famine hit that congregation so hard that the minister took 300 of his congregation and they headed off to Clark's Bridge to Warren Point and headed off to America. You can read all about it. It's called the Cahams Exodus. And that big building, which is now hasn't been used as a Presbyterian church for the last... 50, 60 years, I suppose. Man can only do so much. That potato famine is a fine example of that. But the lesson from Elijah and, and the supply that he enjoyed is to take a step back, and as that old anthem says, to trust God the more. Because when you think about it, the ravens didn't produce the food. The food was were sent by God. The ravens were only the carriers. They were the meals and wheels kind of thing that brought it. The source was God. The method was miraculous. The regularity was consistent. The variety, bread and meat, and the sufficiency. There was enough. There was enough. It's a bit like the story of the manna in the wilderness. There's enough. Enough is a feast. Surely on Harvest Sunday, any lessons we learn from history or from our own experience is that God has provided enough. In fact, far more than enough. Far more than enough uh, for all of us. There's ample provision in the world. The reason why people starve is not lack of food. It's the way it's distributed. And not just physical things, but God has provided not just physical blessings, but faith that our sins can be forgiven and we can have salvation. We can have hope. We can have purpose. And better than that, we can have the assurance of a heaven 
in the life to come and not a hell. Faith. God has provided enough, enough if we trust him. He has provided for our faith, our salvation, our spiritual needs, our physical wants. The reality is, do we trust him enough? Well, there are many lessons we could learn from Elijah. Thank God for the rain. How often do we say, thank God for the rain? We say, oh, not rain again. You know, we feel down, rain come. Thank God for the rain. The rain makes things grow. Thank God for the harvest. Thank God for his blessings. Thank God for food from whatever source it comes from. Don't be too pedantic or fussy. Elijah didn't complain when his food came from the ravens. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. And today is a day to thank God for his promises. As long as earth remains, seed time and harvest, summer, winter, day and night, cold and heat shall not cease. And that is true yet again. Elijah found God's sufficiency. But I, and he found it, I hope, I hope we will find it, in more ways than physical food, but spiritually as well. One more thing. The story of Elijah goes on to explain in the last part of our reading the testing that Elijah experienced. The testing that he experienced. The widow of Sarapath, we're not, it's a subject for another day, but suffice to remind us that God provides in most unusual ways. And often he uses unusual people. How often has some unusual person interacted with your life? And you know, if you stop to think about it, maybe it was an angel that God sent unawares. The widow of Sarathath, uh, the woman that uh, had so little that she was going to eat her last meal and said she was, they were just going to, her and her son were going to die. Can you imagine how awful that is? And yet, when that, uh, yet Elijah was brought into the situation because the brook had dried up and the widow, and he made the pronouncement again, and of course, the, the, the bread, the, the flour did not run out, nor did the jug of oil run down, because we see it all worked out for the good. Elijah was tested, the lady was tested, to go and to trust. She had to give the first cake of bread to Elijah, not to herself. Testing. How often are we tested in life? I wonder how we act in times of testing and disappointment. I don't do very well sometimes, I have to admit. Do you? This little song, and I'm going to finish it just with, with, with the, the chorus of it. I'm not going to sing it, you'd be glad to know, but uh, it says, The raven he feedeth, then why should I fear? To the heart of the Father his children are dear. So, if the way darkens or the storms gather o'er, I simply look upward and trust him the more. If the way darkens or the storms gather over, they will. I'll simply look upward and I'll trust him the more. May you do just that. Amen. Amen.